Thank you for having us. I had a picture I was praying this morning for Steve and Barb. Barb's, Barb's left. Oh, hey, Barb. Hello. Um, two things just before I preach. I, I, I was reading in Acts 18, which is the first time that Paul meets um, Aquila and Priscilla. And I felt like God just quickened me and say that, that you guys are like an Aquila and Priscilla. Um, and then I, it was funny, I was, I was reading along and it popped up and said that um, the name Aquila actually means an eagle. Um, and I just felt like God said, Steve, that you're like an eagle. And I just thought it was amazing the word that you brought this morning about eagles as well. Um, I just felt like God said, don't get bogged down in the little things. Um, stay big. Um, yeah, stay, stay out of like the the stuff that would drag you down, um, and keep a big vision. Keep dreaming um, and seeing the bigness of God. I think that what you bring into this team is the bigness of, of God. And then for Barb over there, hey. Um, I felt like, uh, I mean, this, isn't, this is, isn't prophetic, this is just observation, that you have a unique gift of being a safe place for people. Um, and uh, that people, people feel comfortable being open and real with you. And I felt like God's going to continue to use that to help you uh, see people restored and come into freedom. Um, and just to continue to do that. No worries. Got some other stuff, but maybe I'll share it at the end. It's cool. Would you open your Bibles with me to um, Mark chapter 2? So uh, as I've been praying for this time, I've been, we've been really excited about coming down here. And we pray for you guys often as a church um, it's amazing to see what God's doing. Last time we were here was a whole year ago. You were in a different venue. There was maybe about this many people. Um, and it's just amazing to see the life of God and what you're doing and hearing the testimonies of, of what he's doing. But as I've been praying for this time, I felt the Lord ask this, are we still being led by faith? You might think, well, that's a silly question. We're, we're a new church. Of course we're being led by faith. But are we? Are we still being led by faith? When we hear God speak, is our response a response of faith, or is it a response of fear, or a response from our feelings? How are we, how are we responding when God speaks? How are we responding to what God's doing? Um, Romans says that faith comes by hearing, and we have to be hearing the voice of God. We need to be listening to Him for the situations that we're facing and the, the things that we're involved in, the areas that we're leading, the, you know, our families, our businesses. We need to be hearing the voice of God for everything in our life. But what's our response when we hear him speak? The faith response is not, is not to respond to the natural, but to begin to pray and respond to the supernatural. It's so easy to just respond to the things that we see in front of us in the natural rather than have a response of faith to what God's spoken. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance before we see or experience it. It's also the means by which we receive it. But we're led, when we're led by faith, the things that we, that we haven't seen yet become the things that we're seeing. The unseen becomes the seen. And so if we're only responding to what we can see in the natural, can I suggest we're not responding with faith? Because when God speaks, we don't, we, we don't always see, actually, usually we don't see the end. He just tells us the next step, the next thing. 
And the response of faith is to take the next step, is to, is to continue to say, I'm going to step into that, Lord, now what's the next thing? Rather than I'm going to sit back and I need to wait until you give me the whole picture. I really believe that we are in such a, an amazing time as a nation. This is Launceston's time. This is Australia's time. There's, a, there's an in, something of an increasing. I'm going to see how many things I can do that remind you of my dad this morning. I'm going to do a few of these ones. I'm going to do a lot of there's something of a... I don't know if you guys ever noticed that he says that. There's something of an increasing. There's something of God moving. Now that I've said it, you're going to notice it, and I'm probably going to do it all morning. Just to freak you out a little bit. There's an increase. There's a speeding up of what God's doing in our nation right now like never before. There is an openness... It is a harvest time. There's an openness like never before. This is harvest time. We don't need to pray that people would be open. God says, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth workers because the harvest is ripe. Guys, that, that's the truth in our nation right now, like never before. I think that if, uh, if, if you talk to, maybe many of you, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, you would say, if you talk to somebody about Jesus... 70, 80% of people would say, forget it. I don't want to, no, this is crazy. Leave me alone. Now, I, I guarantee you, if you talk to people out on the street, if you talk to people in your workplace, 70 or 80% of people will be open to hear more. It's like it's totally turned around because God's doing something in our nation. Because people have been praying and, and uh, the, some, some people like yourselves have been plowing the ground and preparing a way for harvest to come in. And we honor those who are, who are older, who have done the hard yards, who have pressed through in seasons where there hasn't been a real openness. But let, we're not living in that season anymore. We honor you for your hard work, but now's the time to harvest. There's an openness, but we have to be led by faith and we have to stay flexible because what God's doing isn't going to look like what God's done. What God's doing isn't going to look like what, God, what God's done. There's, a, there's new ways. And it's not to say we throw out the old, but things are going to happen faster. Things are happening faster. Things are happening quicker. People are getting saved and restored and set free quickly. It doesn't have to take 10 years of discipleship classes. I love that you guys are doing the Activate thing this afternoon. Let me encourage you. I haven't been to their class but we run something similar, and I guarantee that this will unlock in you um, something of what God wants to do, that you actually not only receive from the Holy Spirit, but that you're set free so that you can give out. So if you feel like you're stuck, if you feel like Christianity is a little bit boring, if you feel like, I, I want to get out there, but I don't know how to do it, then don't miss this class. Because it's going gonna, it's gonna to release you. It's going to activate you to something of what God wants to do. Now is Australia's time, but we have to stay flexible. We have to be willing to step out of our comfort zones, to say yes to what God's doing. Do you guys sing the song, You're Worthy of It All? What an amazing song. But it's so easy to sing a song like that in a context like this. But it's more than a song. It's more than a song that we sing. It has to be the motivation for everything that we do, that he is worthy of it all. Do you know what all means? All. It means everything. It means all that we have. It means my life. It means my time. It means my treasure. It means my talents. It means my family, that he's worthy of it all. Otherwise, as, as people have said in the past, songs have a way of making hypocrites out of us. 
The great songs have a way of making great hypocrites out of us. We sing, you're worthy of it all, and we go, oh, the, the glory of the anointing, and then we go out and go, but it's not really worthy of my time. You're worthy of it all, but not my, not my Monday to Friday, just my Sunday and maybe a little bit on Wednesday night. I believe it's the season where we have to be willing for God to mess up our neat ordered plans. For our churches and our groups and our spheres to grow. For new churches to be started and new groups to be started. For new things to happen quickly. Quicker than we've been used to, quicker than we've expected. I know you guys are seeing something of that. So it seems almost a little bit, uh, I, I, I felt like when I was preparing this, a lot of this seems like redundant. I'm like, God, you're doing this and they're walking in it. But I felt like God said, well, remind them again because I'm not done doing it. There's still more. For God, we have to be willing for God to stretch our comfort zones. And you might go, I can't be stretched anymore, but God wants to keep stretching your comfort zone. There's no end to what God wants to do. I want to prophesy over you today that your future is not found in your past. That's for, that might be for someone individually today. That might be for families. Your future is not found in your past. God has a new thing for you. God has a new season for you to walk into. I want to prophesy Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19 over, over you guys as a church. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. That's for you as a church, but if that's for you as, a, as an individual, if that's for you as a couple or a family, lay hold of that this morning. Mark 2, 22. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm done prophesying. I'm going to preach now for a little while. Is that all right? You guys still there? Awesome. Mark 2, verse 22 says, No one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But the new wine is for fresh wineskins. You know, wineskins represent us and how we do things, our thought processes, our capacities. Wine represents the anointing, the presence of God. God wants to pour out his presence in fresh and new and increased ways in your life, and in this church, in the areas of ministry that you're involved in, in your workplace. He wants to pour it out in fresh ways. He wants to increase his presence in our lives, both personally and in our churches, but we have to remain flexible. We have to be willing to grow and to adjust and to change and to be stretched so that he can pour his new wine into us and through us. Who knows that stretching is uncomfortable? Who's ever tried to touch their toes when you've never stretched before? It's uncomfortable. Stretching isn't easy. Stretching can leave stretch marks. You know, when a pregnant belly grows, it stretches. It's uncomfortable. It's not easy. But it's so necessary for there to be new life. It's not like in the process of the stretching, you think, oh, it just doesn't feel right and I can't get comfortable and I don't like it, but I know that this is for a reason. 
We keep reminding ourselves of the reason for the stretching. And yes, it can leave marks. And yes, you, know, you get toward the end right before God births something and you think, you know, I can't sleep at night and I don't know what's going on. And then you see the new baby and you could care less about the stretch marks and you could care less about being uncomfortable because you see the beauty of new life. Are we willing to be uncomfortable? Are we willing to be stretched? Even to sustain some marks and some scars for the sake of the life that God wants to bring. For the sake of the, the life that he wants to bring here into this church and through your life. Isaiah 54 verse 1 to 3 says this, Sing, O barren one who did not bear, bear fruit. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not been in labor for the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let the curtains of your habitation be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes for you are spread abroad to the right and to the left and your offsprings will possess the nations and, a, and will people the desolate cities. This is the word of the Lord for us today. God wants to stretch us and he wants to enlarge us so that he can bring forth new life. God wants to stretch you. God wants to enlarge you because he wants to use you to bring forth new life. But are you willing to be uncomfortable to facilitate what God wants to do? Are you actually willing to be enlarged? It's easy to hear a message like this and go, yeah, I hope, that, uh, I hope Russ and Mary are listening. I hope they're willing to be enlarged. But this isn't, a, this isn't just about the front row. This isn't just about a leadership team. This is about every one of us in the church, a priesthood of all believers. Are you willing to be uncomfortable because God wants to use you? It's not just about someone on a mic. This is about seven days a week, 24 hours. Are you willing to hear God and respond and be uncomfortable and be out of your zone and meet new people and see God use you in ways you haven't expected so that his kingdom is advanced? Are you willing to be enlarged? The, re the reality of this in church life is never as easy as a half an hour preach on a Sunday morning. You know, kind of five points is a lot easier to talk about than actually having to be uncomfortable because nobody likes change. To be honest, nobody likes it when somebody's sitting in your seat or it's uncomfortable, you know, or there's not enough chairs and you got to get out more chairs or, you know, you can't see because you're way at the back or, you know, there's people that are different than you. It's just the reality of it in life is different than a preach on a Sunday morning. But are you flexible? Are you willing to be bent out of shape? Are you willing for things to change? For things to happen differently than what you expected or planned for? If you keep growing as a local church at the same rate that you've been growing, what would you do? You might be new here, and you might not know that this church only started just over a year ago. And all these people have come in the last year. So what if there's twice as many people next year? What if there's twice as many people as that, four times as many as now in two years? Are you actually willing for that? Because you know what? Some of us like a smaller church. I'm not saying that it has the, the, the way we do church has to change or the heart. The heart shouldn't change at all, whether there's a thousand people or there's a hundred people. But are you willing for it to happen? Because God wants to bring in people. God wants to see salvations. God wants to see people's lives changed. Who are we to say, God, no more lives changed because I'm comfortable right now. 
No more live streams because we just got this building working and we just got the sound working. No more live streams because my house is full. What would you do if 50 people got saved this week? What would you do if you had 20 extra kids in your kids' church next week? Just put Tim on. <laughs> Apparently Tim's like the, the Pied Piper and all the kids are like, yes, Tim's on, we're going to go in there. Are you ready to pray for the sick? Are you ready to lead someone to Jesus? Are you? When somebody says, I, I, yeah, I want to know this Jesus that you're talking about. Do you need to like, make a phone call and be like, just wait, I'll call Fiona. Um, <laughs> can, can you hold on half an hour? Are you ready to say, yeah, sure, let me, let me introduce you to him. Yeah. Are you ready to plant a new group? Are you ready to go support a church in the area? Are, re- are you ready to lead a team to the nations? I've never been outside of Australia. Then you might need to get a passport. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. The mandate of Acts, the mandate of New Testament church is that we're called here and to the nations at the same time. He's saying, so far, can I encourage you? Get a passport and see what God does. I think part of our discipleship classes should be at the end is like, you know, we've been ba- we baptized, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're set free, we're released to go, and have you got your passport sorted out? I don't know why I'm saying that, but I think you guys are going to send a lot of teams to the nations. So, honestly, there's just some practical things. Yeah, we can be real spiritual about it, but if you don't have a passport, you're never going to go. If you get a passport, then you're ready. Tim. <laughs> if your passport's out of date, you've got to get it renewed before you can go. Are you willing to park three streets away because there isn't enough car parks? You guys have heaps of car parks. I love this facility. We have no car parks, and we literally have to park three streets away in the rain because there just isn't enough car parks, and we want, to, we want new people to be able to come. I mean, I, I, I preached this at home, and people were like, really? I was like, yeah, but I mean, like, that's the practical. No, I don't, I'm not willing to walk in the rain. Well, then you're not flexible. You don't actually want to be enlarged and stretched. Are you ready for more meetings on a Sunday? Are you ready for someone else, maybe some of the you've discipled or sown into, to be used more than you? Are you really flexible? See, I believe flexibility is a sign of maturity. The more, matu- the more mature we are in Christ, the more flexible we should be. But it takes some intentionality. It takes some intentional actions. And sadly, as often as we get older as Christians, we should be more mature, but we often become less flexible. We often become less flexible because of some of the stuff we've been through and some of the disappointments and the hurts. And you know what? It's not usually one, in my experience, it's not the one big hit that stops us from wanting to press forward. It's death by a thousand paper cuts. It's not one big crash. It's a thousand little paper cuts, little disappointments, little hurts, little things. You know, that, that person that, that let you down or that thing that, you know, I was really believing for that, and I didn't see it happen. It's, you know, it's, it's those little things that add up. And when we should be more mature and going, yes, I'll give anything for the kingdom, we end up going, actually, every time I go to step out, I'm reminded of all the pain of my past. And so then we pull back, and we stop being willing to be flexible and grow and allow the presence and anointing of God to flow through us. I feel like this morning God wants to heal some of those hurts. 
I know he's doing that in this church, but he actually just wants to, to set you free from some of the little disappointments that st- have stopped you from being flexible. So how do we stay flexible? How do we continue to be flexible as a people? Would you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4? I'm going to read from verse 1 to verse 7. Just some really simple points. I don't think this is particularly profound, but I want to give you some handles and some simple points for how do we stay flexible so that God can pour his life through us and continue to do what he's doing in you and in your church and not put a lid on it. Ephesians 4 verse 1 to 7 says, I therefore, it's Paul writing, a prisoner of the Lord. How many of us can say prisoner of the Lord? There's a few. It's amazing. I don't know if that's one of the ones that we want to say, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. But Paul's writing from prison say, says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. I think he was uh, well qualified to write this. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Verse four, there, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Can you say amen this morning? But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. I want to pull five points out this morning from this scripture. How do we stay flexible? Firstly, be humble. First Peter 5, verse 5 and 6 says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he might exalt you. To stay flexible, we have to stay humble. To be able to to continue to grow, continue to steward what God's doing, allow him to pour his new wine into us and not explode or not put a cap on it or not say that's enough, we have to stay humble. We have to humble ourselves. We have to walk in humility. Even if you know somebody else is in the wrong, stay humble. We, I, I believe we always want to call people forward into the more that God has for them, into the greater. And it's always, it has to always be with humility. I know there can be a frustration when we see people go around the same mountain again and again and again to be like, what's wrong with you? Can't you see it? But it's always got to be with humility. It's, not a, it's, it's calling people forward and saying, there's more that God has for you but not because I'm better than you, not because I'm further or more mature or higher or whatever the language that we think, but because I can see more for you in the Lord. Not the I know more or I've experienced more or I'm more mature or older. Our language is always us, together, we. God has something more for us. God's calling us to greater things. Guys, God's calling us together to advance the kingdom and we bring people along with us in humility. God's calling us to more. We need to rise up and say yes. Open my eyes, Lord, to see what you're doing. Lord, open our eyes to see what you're doing. Not, not, I'm, I'm really praying for you, Christy, that God opens your eyes to see what he's doing. No, I'm praying that God opens our eyes to see what he's doing. You see the difference? There's just a humility in that. And we can fall into language that's unhelpful. Or a simple, you know, subtle heart attitude that creeps in. That's unhelpful for us to stay flexible and keep growing. It's humble in our language, humble in our interactions with people. 
even when, they're, even when they're in the wrong. We stay humble. Humble in our prayer life. We don't deserve anything. Yet God's called us to so much. It's amazing. Secondly, how do we stay, how do we stay flexible? Be gentle. Be, firstly, be humble. Secondly, be gentle. It says in verse 2, with all humility and gentleness... With patience, bearing with one another in love. Proverbs 15, verse 1 says, A harsh word stirs up anger, but a gentle answer turns away wrath. It's not always easy to be gentle under pressure. But uh, I think it's vitally important if we're going to remain flexible and steward what God wants to do. To remain gentle, to remain humble. Because God wants to bring in all sorts of people from all different parts of society. Poor and rich, young and old, hurt and healed. Can we deal with people gently? Can we hear their story? Before we judge, can we actually ask them their story? Can we ask them about them? Can you ask somebody their story today? Where are you from? Who are you? That's, uh, you guys are real quiet. I know, it's, it's not always easy. It's this thing of like, you know, it's church, the church thing is always hard to get to know, know new people. But the moment you stop getting to know new people, you close your circle. And the moment you close your circle, you've stopped growing and being flexible. And you'll look up, whether it's two years, five years, or ten years down the track, and realize, I don't know anyone in this church. And then, you're, then the... the, the what you'll say is this, I don't feel connected, this church isn't friendly, this isn't home anymore. And it's not because the church isn't connecting and it's not friendly or it's not home, it's because you stop getting to know new people. Thirdly, be patient. Be humble, be gentle, be patient. When we're not humble and gentle, it's easy to become impatient with people. There's an order to these things. It's easy to get frustrated that people aren't responding, that they're not as hungry as we are, that they're going around the same mountain again. But be patient. See, when we, when we, when we don't have a heart of humility and gentleness, we get impatient with people and we treat them in a way that actually hinders them growing and maturing. Many of us have been treated that way in church. Abraham was told that he would be the father of many nations, but it wasn't until he was 100 years old that he saw Isaac come. Are you willing to wait till you're 100? Most of us go, heck no. I'm not willing to wait till like next year. I want to see it today. I want the fulfillment of God today. I want it at the very latest next Sunday. 100 years. Patience. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, and spent years in prison before God exalted him. He had an opportunity to exalt himself, but he waited for God to exalt him. Years in prison. Abraham, a hundred years. Joseph, years in prison. Job understood that God's plan. Job understood that God's plan and God's timing isn't our timing. Job saw his life in light of the kingdom, in light of eternity. Not where he was at right now. Not what was happening right now in his life. As good or as bad as it was. 
Luke 2 tells us about a man called Simeon who was waiting in the temple for the birth of Jesus because the Lord had told him that he would not see death until he had seen the birth of the Messiah. Patience. How often we get frustrated in a month or a year. Yet God's ways are our ways and his times are our times. We have to find the balance, I think, as Christians in our lives between eagerly desiring more, because God calls us to desire more, and being satisfied in the Lord and finding our rest. Being satisfied doesn't mean settling down, but there's this rest in God in the season that we're in. While we're crying out in prayer for more, while we're saying, God, I want to be flexible and I want to grow and I know there's more in you and I want to see more salvations and I want to, I want to mature and walk into all that you have for you, yet I'm so thankful for where I am right now. But I thank you that in you I can find rest. I thank you that in you there's peace. I thank you that you brought me to this place. I trust your timing, yet I'm hungry for more. It's the, it's the very difficult like, balance as Christians. Fourthly, how do we continue to be flexible as a church, as people, so that we can steward what God wants to do in us? Bear with one another in love. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Why does it say to bear with one another? Why doesn't it, it just say, just, you know, with all humility, gentleness, and patience, loving one another? It says to bear with one another. Because it's not always easy. Paul knew that it wasn't always easy. He's writing from prison. He's had people let him down. He's had people leave. He's had disagreements. He's been beaten. It's not always easy. Sometimes we just have to bear with somebody while they're going through their stuff. Just think about that for a little while. I, th I, I, just, I don't think we often talk about this. That sometimes we just need to give people time. Like I, you know, I, I want, of course we want people to be set free and healed and we want it to happen quickly, but sometimes it just takes time. It's not just to come forward for prayer on a Sunday morning and everything will be all right. There's a process, there's a journey for them. Sometimes we just need to bear with people. We need to allow them the grace and the time for God to do what he, only he can do. Maybe you need to demonstrate gentleness to somebody. Maybe you need to bear with somebody in love right now. Maybe you need to be reminded this morning of those who bore with you in love. Yeah. See, it's when we forget our journey that we become impatient. We're not gentle. We're not humble. We forget that for years people bore with us. Well, we showed up late and we let them down and we did all our stuff and we came with all our junk and everything and they bore with us and they loved us and they journeyed with us and they welcomed us. And you might, you might feel like you're, <laughs> thanks, you can amen, that's okay. And you might feel like you're in a place of maturity this morning, but don't forget the people who bore with you because God's calling you to bear with somebody else. Finally, maintain unity. Verse 3 says, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then I love verse 4 to 7, because it gives us these things that we're called to unite around. Because there's one body and one Spirit. Just as you called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. He doesn't say, 
There's one type of service, there's one type of building, there's one style, there's one good type of music. There's, no, he says there's one body, one spirit, one hope, one call, one Lord, one faith, one back. These are the things that we're called to unite around. We can unite around these things. Please, please let me beg you this morning, Redemption Hills Church, maintain unity. Stay united. There are always opportunities to be offended. Always. Maybe somebody's offended you this morning. Maybe somebody took your favorite seat. Maybe you, don't, you thought someone didn't say hi to you on the way in. Maybe they, just, they, they were distracted. There's always opportunities to be offended. Offense in any gathering of people, be it church or a club or a family, is unavoidable. We can do our best to try not to cause offense, but you will be offended at some point. Sorry to let you down this morning, but just let's be honest. You will be offended at some point, and you might actually be offended right now. You might be sitting here thinking, who is this guy? How dare you? I'm offended that you're saying that I'm going to be offended. <laughs> Jesus is actually called the rock of offense. When you serve and build and are involved, when you deal with people, you'll get offended. But when you recognize offense, please pluck it out like a weed. Don't water it like a flower. When you see a weed growing in your garden, my wife and I enjoy gardening. I know it's a surprise to you all, but we, we really enjoy gardening. When you see a weed, you don't go, oh, look at lovely weed. Give it some fertilizer, water it. That's a great example. Our kids do because they don't know what a weed is and they don't know what a flower is. So they just water everything. But when you know what a weed is, when you know it's an offense, don't fertilize it and water it and let it grow and go, look at this lovely offense. No, you see a weed in the garden, you go, oh, dirty weed, and you pluck it out and you throw it on the fire and you burn it. You get rid of it and you burn its seeds. You don't want it to spread. You water a flower. You want the flower to grow. The problem is when we water our offense... It will grow up, and at some point, we'll spread its seeds. This is marriages. This is businesses. This is families. This is church. This is whatever you're involved in. Don't let offense come up. If you're offended with your spouse this morning, deal with it. When, you, when, they, when they let you down, pluck it out. Don't throw them out. Deal with the offense. They put the knives in the knife drawer the wrong way. Just turn them all around that way. Just realize it doesn't really matter which way the knives go. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, 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 oh. When they squeeze the toothpaste from the top and you squeeze the toothpaste from the bottom, and uh, just get two toothpaste tubes. We literally fought for like three years of marriage. We're a little bit slow about how we should do the toothpaste, whether we you know, cleaned it or took the cap off or left it on. And after three years, I was like, this is, this is ridiculous. We can get two toothpaste tubes. <laughs> it settled so many arguments. It was amazing. But how, how often is it that simple, yet we just keep fighting over the same little thing, like, oh, I'm going to get my way. I'm gonna... It doesn't really matter. A lot of the stuff doesn't matter. Some of it does. But God wants you to be set free. God wants to heal you. 
Please maintain unity. Deal with offense as soon as possible and as quickly as possible. Ask God to help you take that offense away. Ask God to help you see people the way he sees people. Often that sorts out a lot of our offense right there. Don't let it take root and bring disunity. Offense, when left to grow, gives birth to bitterness. Bitterness and disunity will hinder your growth and will hinder the advancing of the kingdom. It'll stop you from being flexible, from allowing new people into your life. Ultimately, if we don't continue to deal with it, like I said, it grows up, it flowers, it spreads its seeds, and other people end up carrying the same offense that you carry. Yet it's not their offense, and they have no way of dealing with it. Forgive quickly. Sort these things out. For the sake of Jesus' kingdom and the church, maintain unity. Maintain unity. Don't speak bad of anyone in your church or any other church, please. If you have to leave a conversation, leave it. I know it can be awkward. Sorry, I know we're having coffee, but I just can't, I can't hear this. At the very least, it's going to cause a talking point. But you know what? You're maintaining unity. And do we value what Jesus thinks? Do we value what people think? Don't talk, about, don't talk bad about someone else in the church. If you have a problem, go to them. Don't go to five other people before you go to them. Go to them. That's the biblical way of doing it. Don't talk about bad about other churches. Even if they do things differently than we think they should do things. Even if they're making decisions that you think, I wouldn't do it that way. Still don't talk bad about them. Would you settle in your heart today that no matter what anyone else around you is saying, you won't speak poorly of another believer? If you'll do that, you become a conduit for God to use to pour his anointing and his love through. You will, you will see your impact increase. You'll grow in maturity. And you'll walk into what God has for you. Maintain the unity of the faith and the bond of peace. God, guys, God has so much more for us. He has so much more for you as a church. It's not just uh, you know, in, in seeing new leaders released, but in seeing new people saved and seeing families restored and seeing uh, you know, just there's so much more that he wants to do in you. Don't, don't settle because you've reached a size that you can fill a room. Don't say, this is good and comfortable. We like it like this. Don't settle down. Don't settle down. This is the greatest adventure that we can be on. But will you remain flexible to grow, to enlarge, to allow him to use us the way he wants to use us? I really believe he wants to pour out his new wine. We have to be flexible to steward that. Humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love, and staying united. Can we stand together this morning? I feel like we need to respond to the Lord this morning. Maybe you feel like you've stopped responding in faith. Maybe you want to see God move, but some of like the little paper cuts and the hurts and the disappointments have caused you to become inflexible or to settle down or to stop expecting. 
I feel like God wants to heal this morning. He wants to bring restoration right now. He wants to pour out his new wine into your life, into the areas of ministry that you're involved in. The beautiful thing is that the anointing, that the new wine heals. It restores, it softens hearts. Maybe there's, you know, there's probably 50 other things you can respond to. I'm going to invite you this morning, if you need to respond, whether it's, you know, God, I've, I've actually stopped being flexible and stopped growing. Whether it's for healing, whether it's actually just, you know what, I, I, you know, I haven't maintained unity. Would you respond to him right now? I'm going to pray. I just want to create an opportunity for God to, God to move this morning. We don't gather just to go through the motions. We want to meet with him. And when he speaks to us, we want to respond in that moment. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for freedom in this place. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in this church and in these people, Lord. Lord, I thank you for your growth, Lord. I thank you that you're pouring out your new wine, Lord. I thank you for your presence that's here right now. Lord, I pray, would you heal Lord, where, we've, where there's been hurts, Lord, where we've been disappointments, Lord, Lord, that maybe the thousand little paper cuts, right now in Jesus' name, would you heal? Would you bring freedom? Would you restore? Lord, as your anointing comes, Lord, would you bind up the brokenhearted? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence. Lord, where, we, where we've been proud, where we've been impatient, where we've been harsh with people, Lord, would you help us, Lord? Lord, help us, Lord, to, to change. Help us to be humble. Help us to be gentle. Lord, help us to bear with one another in love. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that, uh, that you are moving and your kingdom is advancing. And we say, here we are, use us. Here I am, use me. Lord, help me to stay flexible. Help me to enlarge. Help me to, to stretch out to the left and the right. Bless you, Lord. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Today is the day to come home. Today is the day to respond to him. I love ministering in other contexts because I don't know most of you. I don't know whether every one of you has a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you're here and you think, I don't know what this is about, but I know there's something happening. Just while we're responding, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life and you would like to do that today, the Bible says that when we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. It's about saying, you know what? I've done the wrong things. I can't earn this. I want to turn away from that, and I want to follow you, Jesus. If you're in that place this morning, I'm just going to ask, would you lift your hand up really high? Because I would love to pray for you. Awesome. Thank you. Anyone else? Let's take a second, because we, we always want to create opportunity for people to come to know Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your leadership. I thank you for new life, Lord. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this church. Continue to increase in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. We bless you, Lord. Amen. Amen.